Welcome to the American Pipeline Podcast, uh, presented by Bet MGM and McKenny Hockey. I'm Mike Stevens. Sitting across from me is Sydney Wolf. Sydney, how are you doing? Doing good. We had a pretty crazy week of games again this week. Uh, some some controversy in some of the plays and some really close scores. So it was another fun weekend. I can't wait to get into that. I mean, we might as well, right? So North Dakota versus Minnesota, they split their series of games. Both were in OT. Pretty tight games, obviously. You know, that's that's kind of what happens when you go to OT. Why don't you break that down for us? Yeah, so obviously that's a huge rivalry, Minnesota and North Dakota, you know, always, always fun games. I heard it was packed at Mariucci. Both games were at Minnesota, uh, but the North Dakota fans always travel really well. So there was a ton of both fans at the games and they just seemed like uh, really cool. I didn't get to watch a ton of the Friday game, but I heard it was really, really close uh, And that one. Uh, again, overtime game. So those are always close ones. And Matthew Nyes ends up scoring the game winner. He's obviously going to be a, a big prospect to look out for, who I assume is probably going to be joining the NHL next year. We'll have to see. I feel like he almost did this last year, but that was a big goal for him. And then the next night, uh, there was it was very interesting the next night on Saturday. This mm. is sort of where some of the controversy starts from this weekend. There were some interesting penalties from a lot of different teams this weekend. But night two, uh, there were some back and forth goals from both teams. The North Dakota ended up winning the game. I believe it was Mark Sendon with the game winning goal in overtime. But... The big thing that caught a lot of people's eye on Twitter, I'm not sure if you saw this, but one of the Gophers players, I believe it was Rhett Pitlick, uh, after he scored a goal, I think in the second period, it wasn't a game winner, it wasn't late in the game to tie it or anything, just just a random goal, uh, decided to score and then toss his stick into the crowd, which you don't see in college too much, uh, pretty rare, and it's an automatic, usually 10-minute misconduct you can't do that (laughs) i don't think you're allowed to do that it seems to be against the rules or some sort of rule book um so did he get an automatic 10 for that yes he did and people i heard some people say you know that was that was a cool move for him to do that you know a bold move and some people said that was really corny i didn't like it so a lot of different opinions but the funny part of it is he throws his stick into the crowd and a North Dakota fan catches a stick and throws it right back onto the ice. And there's some there's some videos of that too. I saw on Twitter. So that was that was sort of a funny big moment in that game. And it also wasn't a, a like a sick goal or anything. It wasn't a Michigan. It wasn't you know a really, it was just a normal goal. It was kind of a fluky goal actually. Mm-hmm. If you watch it, he he kind of shoots from sort of far out, and it sort of knocks off the defender's skate in front of him, and then goes in. So it was almost a fluky goal too. So after that, you throw your stick in the crowd. I saw a lot of opinions about it. It was just, there was a lot of people very interested in, in that aspect of the game, but they ended up splitting. So one game to North Dakota, one game to Minnesota. I thought that was uh, pretty interesting. There were some other uh, big penalties in that series as well. I think Logan Cooley also got a misconduct for a face mask, which Mm -hmm. That happens, you know, with some freshmen, obviously in college, if you grab the face mask that they're going to get you for it most times if if the refs see it. So that happened. Uh, That was a really fun series, though. I got to watch the tail end of the Saturday game, which was really fun. But yeah, that game really big because obviously both of of those teams are going to be probably pretty good contenders towards towards the end of the year. So that was a fun one. And yeah, I saw that sick toss video and throwing it back quite a bit quite a bit on social media this week i'm not sure if you know like again both these games went to ot so they're very tight likely a one goal game i'm not sure if 
just for no reason, giving yourself a 10 minute misconduct uh, in the middle of that when your team is either trying to, you know, either recapture a lead or potentially defend one. Um, I'm not sure if that's the best idea. I'm not sure if that's. Yeah. (laughs) So, you know, I think some of, some of his teammates after, from what I heard, it sounded like in the post game comments, some of the teammates said, you know, sometimes you just get, you get caught up in the game. You Mm -hmm. do things maybe that later you, you might not do that again, but it was a huge game. I'm sure the crowds were really loud. So I'm sure you just get caught up in that craziness. So there was that, that happened with the, with the stick throw. And then again, another 10 minute misconduct later on for a face mask. So there were some, yeah, interesting penalties in that game, but ultimately both seemed, seemed really close. Wow. All right. Well, let's go to Omaha versus Alaska Fairbanks, you know, three, two and OT for Alaska Fairbanks and then three, two in OT again for, uh, uh, Northern Omaha. I mean, again, another, another split, another pair of OT games. You're right there. This was, this was a pretty crazy slate of, of hockey, you know, college hockey games. And it's a lot of them are close. This is one of them. Let's break it down. Yeah. So this one was another that had two double overtime games, but this one again had another sort of layer of controversy after, after the second game. So Alaska Fairbanks, Nebraska, Omaha, you know, two schools that aren't really in the top. So I don't feel like a lot of teams were watching these series necessarily, unless you're a fan of these two squads, because they're not, you know, top, top 10 teams or anything, but both, both games ended up being three to two. So same score, both nights. It's just Mm -hmm. the first night, Alaska won, second night, Omaha won, which, you know, you just see that you're like, okay, they split. What's so fancy about that? But the first game uh, after Alaska scored their overtime game winner, it looks like from the videos I've seen that they ended up celebrating kind of in front of Omaha's bench, a little, a little, you know, again, a bold move. You know what? That that's first of all, it's not going to get you 10 minutes conduct. Second yeah. of all, like all's fair. If you don't want that to happen, don't lose. Yeah. So that was kind of like, okay, nobody really paid attention to that in night one. They just thought, you know, they won. So they were just going to go over there and celebrate in front of the bench, whatever. I didn't really see anything about that. But then the next night, Omaha came back and won in overtime that night. Uh, and then after that game ended, uh, they were doing handshakes, all that sort of stuff. And then some fights started breaking out in handshakes, which you don't, again, see that very often. There's videos of it on social media, players. It wasn't everybody on the team. It wasn't like a full team brawl or anything like that. But there was definitely a couple of groups of guys that started going at it. So there's uh, a couple of players that I know are going to have to sit out this weekend as a result of that, because colleges don't want to see you getting into fights during handshakes. Yeah. You know, the handshake line in, in, you know, in the hockey world is this bastion of sportsmanship, you know, like every, every hockey man on the planet out there, you know, the, the quote unquote, you know, 200 hockey men, if you will. Um, They're always like, they always, you know, opine about it. And so to, uh, to, to start a fight in the handshake line, I mean, look, just wait until after the game. Just wait, just wait until wait until the parking lot. Then it's then you're on even playing field. Come on, what are you doing? It's 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 not the right place to do it. But it's no it's no stick throw yeah. into the crowd, you know. Yeah. So again, this is kind of a, a different controversy of sorts. But then some of the players that are going to have to sit out for both teams uh, because of some suspension issues, you know, things like that. You're going to have to sit out the next. I think it's the next. One game, I think I read, uh, Alaska's Risk and Milimok are going to have to sit out because of because of the fight. And then Omaha's Bramer and Bolson, I heard, are going to have to sit out. And then a couple other players received 10 minutes, but I don't think that 
I don't think that matters necessarily because the game was over. So I just heard it was the two players from each team that are going to have to sit out the next game. So both of those teams are going to be without, I think, two players per team from what I heard. And it just looks like things got a little heated. Again, some people were trying to put it on social media saying it was this huge brawl. It didn't seem like everybody was getting in on it or anything, but it was definitely an event that you don't see very often. No kidding. I mean, I don't think we've seen that in the NHL, at least in years. Like, I'm sure in the rough and tumble 70s and 80s, maybe something like that happened. But usually the handshake line is reserved for respect and whatnot. But hey, you know what? These are these, these are college kids we're talking about. You know, these are pretty fired up guys who, uh, you know, are in the middle of some pretty heated rivalries. I totally get it. it makes sense. And, uh, and and at least like now it's, it's a split amount of players that are getting sent off. It's two and two, you know, so it, it seems to be pretty even. All right. Quinnipiac split with Maine. Another split. Insane. Four nothing win for Maine in game one. And then Quinnipiac again wins in game uh wins the, the second game six two. Our third straight split, Sydney. Why don't we why don't we take take him through it? Yeah, another another big split here. This one I didn't actually get to watch very, very mm-hmm. much of this game besides a couple of highlights and stuff like that. But this one I just noted because uh Quinnipiac, we talked a little bit about last week. They're coming off of a they were coming off of a tie and a big win at North Dakota. So they were pretty high in the polls, but they got shut out by Maine, who I don't even think is a top 20 team uh in in the first game. So that was kind of an uncharacteristic loss for them, but a huge win for Maine. So props to their program for for that win. But they came back in night two. So another split. I don't have too much to talk about with that one, but definitely wanted to note that because uh sort of a bad loss for Quinnipiac, but a, a really good win if you're Maine. So that was that was another pretty notable split. All right. We got we got an upset. We got St. Cloud upsetting Mankato or Mankato, I believe it's Mankato, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mankato. Okay, good. I, I, again, you're the expert on this, but you know, I'm, I've been paying attention, but Mankato, I just want to make sure we have our first big upset. Crazy. What, uh, what happened here? Yeah, so this game, I was actually at both of these games. So oh, St. Cloud coming in, coming into the weekend uh, was number eight. Mankato was number two, and they swept Duluth the weekend before. They're coming off of being the the national championship runner up the year before, so they were essentially, you know, the number two team in the nation. Uh, and the year before were very good as well. They have some new players. They have some new goaltenders. We talked about Dryden McKay because he's no longer with the program mm-hmm. um, last episode. So th- these were two very big teams uh, playing. Both games were in St. Cloud. I was at both these games, and both games were really, really fun. They were both one-goal wins for St. Cloud, so they were really close uh, and a lot of back and forth, good goals for both teams. I was really impressed with just both teams overall. And if any team started to make mistakes, you could tell the other team was going to capitalize on them right away. And just one thing that was pretty notable with the transfer portal last year being crazy, teams picking up players from kind of everywhere. Uh, one of, I think, the best transfers probably in the entire nation right now that has worked out for a college team is St. Cloud picked up Grant Crookshank, who played three years with Colorado College and then one year with Minnesota last year. Now he's playing his last year of eligibility with St. Cloud. And I think he has nine points now. He's leading the team. So if you pick up a transfer and he's leading your team in points, that's that's pretty good. So he's been working out really well with St. Cloud. I don't think he really had the year he wanted to have last year with Minnesota. So it's nice to see him kind of maybe hopefully – finish his fifth year of hockey, his final year of hockey with his best points. 
So he's been working out really well with St. Cloud. I know they've been really happy with him. So that was a big series. And now St. Cloud moved up to, I think it was number two in most of the polls, depending on which ones you were looking at. But I think generally they were at two or three after this week. Wow. Look at that. That's It's amazing what can happen in one weekend, huh? It's pretty nuts. Um, all right. A team that plays in an NHL rank, Arizona State, Sun Devils, baby. They uh, they swept CC two weekends in a row. Uh, they be, The CC's been swept. Why don't we take a look at this? I mean, what's what's happening? I mean, Sun Devils, look, they, they're the talk of the town because they're sharing their rink with, uh, uh, you know, with the Coyotes. It seems to be pretty great. You know, they they really put a lot of money into that program, it seems like. Uh, you know, new uniforms, but also like new facilities, obviously the new rink, everything like that. And it seems to be paying off considering that they, they you know, they just swept a pretty prominent program. Take us through it. Yeah, so Arizona State, I think, is a team that a lot of people thought coming into this year might be able to uh, just be a really solid team. They had mm-hmm. a couple of, again, really solid pickups in the transfer portal. They added some really key players uh, and a couple of draft picks as well, I think, if I remember correctly. And Colorado College or CC, they typically haven't been very great in the NCHC the last few years. And people this year, I heard a lot of talk before the season of a lot of people saying, well, this year it could be CC. They they make a push to be a better team, and it's just not looking like that early on. They were swept by St. Lawrence uh, two weekends ago, which they're also not typically the strongest team, and then now swept by Arizona State. So not really a great look early on for Colorado College, but really good for Arizona State. They're going to have uh, some tough matchups coming up, which we might touch on a little bit later if we have time, but they, they got a really nice pair of wins and a sweep for themselves. So early on, those are going to be really good. Uh, points in the pairwise for later on uh, in in the year and in the season when when you need some of those critical non-conference wins. Absolutely. All right. UMD is swept for the second weekend in a row. It, there there were some there were some suspensions going on. Uh, it just it was not a banner weekend uh, for UMD. Why don't you take us through that as well? Yeah. So again, this is where some more interesting plays happened. Again, just UMD, I'm not sure what's happening. I know some of their fans have been posting, you know, that meme where everything's on fire in the background Mm. or running around because I can't even remember the last time UMD was swept back to back weekends. They're always, you know, in the national tournament. They always do really, really well. And then this weekend was not their weekend. We talked last weekend about or we talked last week about Wisconsin and how they've been struggling and they were swept by Wisconsin and then the weekend before swept by Mankato. So they've lost four games in a row and they've they had some discipline issues too, which is really troubling early on if you're Duluth. So Wyatt Kaiser, who a uh, really good player. I'm sure a lot of people recognize his name. He played really well last year uh, and a bunch of other stuff as well. He's a, he's a good player, but he had an incident in the first night where it looked like he was kind of going on a, on a breakaway from the video I've seen. And there was a defender right next to him kind of, you know, being, being a pesky defender, trying to, trying to get the puck away and uh, doesn't score or anything like that. There's not a save made. There's not a stoppage, but they both end up going into the corner and to get the defender off of him, Wyatt Kaiser whips up his stick and whacks the other guy in the face. And it looked pretty blatant on purpose. So mm. for a high stick, uh, he got uh, uh, five in a game and then was suspended for the next night. So the videos online of this one, uh, you can watch it and sort of go decide for yourself. But from what it looks like, he just brings his stick up way too high and whacks the other guy pretty much in the face, which, you know, you have to wear the full face mask in college. So, you know, your eyes, your nose, all that stuff is protect, protected your teeth, but you still can't just go around 
flinging your stick and hitting people in the face. So he got, uh, he definitely got in, in some trouble for that one uh, and then had to sit out the next night. So that one was pretty bad. And then the next night, I have not seen a video of this because I don't think there's a video available, but the next night Duluth loses again. And then Isaac Howard, who I'm sure mm. people remember from the draft with his, with his outfit, he was a Tampa Bay Lightning <laughs> draft pick. Uh, he got in some trouble as well. From what I heard, it sounded like a, a pretty bad cross check away from the away from the play. Uh, there isn't a video of it. Apparently the TV broadcast didn't catch it, but there was a, a video that they were able to watch in the rink that the refs were able to see. And he's going to have to sit out, I think two games this weekend. So he's wow. out too. I don't, I don't know what's happening, uh, but it sounds like coach Scott Sandlin made it pretty clear to the team that they do not want to have these discipline issues. There was something really wrong and I don't know. We'll have to see if they can bounce back this weekend. Absolutely. All right. And then Denver sweeps Providence game two did go to OT though. So it wasn't as, you know, as bad, but still, you know, it's still a sweep and as well, some, uh, some other, you know, sort of unsavory things happen in during these games. Yeah. So these last couple of games we'll talk about, I'm just going to touch on really quick. There's mm -hmm. not as much of a, a huge story with these, but one Let's thing I did see on Twitter uh, transfer to Denver, Casey Dornbach, it sounded like he took a puck to either the collarbone or the neck or something like that. Uh, and they brought him to the hospital just to be precautionary, but it sounds like he's okay. So that's good. But I thought that was sort of like an odd occurrence because again, you don't see that too often in college just because you wear the full helmet. So you don't really have too much room for a, a puck to hit you there, but it sounds like he's okay. So that's good. But uh, that was a, that was a pretty good series. And yeah, Denver looks like bounced back from their sweep at, at UMass. Fantastic. All right, let's run through these last, as you said, these last couple of games and sort of rapid fire. Um, Michigan sweeps Lake Superior State. Yeah, so that one, the, just the one thing I wanted to note there, that wasn't a surprise, but a lot of people were really impressed with Adam Fantilli. Obviously, everyone knows about Connor Bedard and how really, really good. He's he going is. crazy. <laughs> He's going crazy. Yeah. And now Adam Fantilli is really making a push to just really establish himself for next year's draft as well. He just turned 18. So he's really young in college hockey and he has 15 points in six games. So he's also going to be pushing to be, you know, making teams a little bit more nervous of going, okay, we, we thought Dart is always going to be number one, but now this other guy's sort of also making a name for himself. So we'll see, but that's a, that's a pretty historic pace for right now. Yeah. That you, you never see that. Like that is, that's pretty insane. All right. Notre Dame and WMU face split. Anything crazy happened in that game? Yeah, so just these, these next two, just to mention them, Notre Dame and Western Michigan split. Uh, those are both two teams that sometimes can be really good, sometimes fall a little flat on their weekends. So they split, and then another couple of splits and stuff like that. UMass Lowell beat Northeastern in a one game. They just played one. I'm not really sure why, but they beat Northeastern. That's a really good win for them. And then another split. BU and UConn split as well. Um, and then another player that you'll probably hear quite a bit about in the upcoming months, UConn has a 17-year-old on their team, Matthew Wood, who has also just been tearing it up. He's draft eligible for next year. He has seven points in eight games played. And when you're 17 and tearing it up in college, that's pretty special because you can be playing against guys that are like 25 if they're, you know, on the older side of college hockey. Mm -hmm. Incredible. All right, let's let's tee up this coming weekend. We got the Hall of Fame game in Vegas versus North Dakota and ASU. Yeah, so this Hockey Hall of Fame game, I heard there's a ton of people traveling to this kind of from all over North Dakota and Arizona State. We just mentioned, you know, North Dakota split with Minnesota this last weekend. Arizona State had a nice sweep of Colorado College. 
Uh, usually there's a ton of North Dakota fans that travel to this. And last year, North Dakota was also in the Hockey Hall of Fame game, mm-hmm. but they actually were ended, they ended up being upset by Penn State last year. So it didn't really go their way. So we'll just have to see if North Dakota is able to win, win this game this year because Arizona State can be a little sneaky. They got some good players on their team. So I think that'll be a really fun game this weekend that a lot of people are traveling to. So that should be really fun. Fantastic. Then we got uh, Michigan and Western Michigan. So the Michigan Bowl here. Yeah. And again, I don't want to talk too much about this Mm -hmm. one, but uh, this is kind of like the ooh type of game because last year uh, Michigan was supposed to play Western Michigan sort of, I think it was over that Christmas break sort of time for colleges here in the U.S., Uh, and they ended up backing out and Michigan did not want to play Western and people were kind of like, oh, you're scared to play Western because Michigan had all those players out at Mm -hmm. uh, at World Juniors at that time. So they ended up not playing and now they're finally going to get to play, which Mel Pearson's not going to be there. He was sort of part of that whole, they didn't play each other controversy. He's no longer the coach at Michigan. So that'll make things a little bit different, but I think a lot of people are going to want to watch and see how this series turns out. Absolutely. All right. Then up up next, we got the Ivy League team starting to play the Ivy, you know, the the esteemed Ivy League in American collegiate sports. Any interesting stuff going on with the Ivy League, I guess, realm? So they kind of just wait to play longer than some of the some of the other teams so we don't really know how a lot of those teams are going to look uh cornell will be playing duluth which again we've said duluth has had their struggles and Mm -hmm. cornell i think people are excited about this year they had a couple really nice wins last year but nobody knows what to think about them yet because we haven't seen them so we'll finally get to see them in action uh they'll play umd and then some of the other teams will be in action this weekend as well fantastic all right minnesota and ohio state yeah, so the big some of the interesting Big Ten games this week. Minnesota plays Ohio State. Minnesota's number one right now, but Ohio State slowly creeping up the polls. Again, they've got some sneaky good players, so I think that could be a fun game to watch. And then another Big Ten game, Wisconsin and Penn State. Penn State's unbeaten, but they haven't really played super tough teams yet. Uh, and again, Wisconsin typically isn't very strong, but they just swept Duluth. So I think that could be a sneaky matchup as well. That could be a fun one for people to watch. Not bad. All right. So now we go over from, you know, collegiate to the USHL and national team development program. Who are some preliminary players to watch in the 2023 NHL draft? Yeah. So they just released that list. I'm not Mm going to talk about it a whole lot because obviously there's like a ton of players on that list. It would take us hours to go through it uh, and just go through all the NCAA and USHL players. But the list is out now for anybody who's interested in looking at some of those preliminary players they pick that they think are going to be, you know, A-level prospects, B-level, C-level, et cetera. So there's a lot of those uh, NCAA, USHL players on there, a couple of high school players as well. So that's now available. Again, we could spend an entire episode talking about that. So we're not going to do that now, but just wanted to mention that if people want to go see it, uh, it, it's out there and there's some big names on there. Absolutely. All right. And then you want to brush on this a little bit. It's collegiate commitments from the week. Any, any interesting ones that, that came down the pike for you? Yeah, so just there was a couple of younger kids who did make their collegiate commitments this week. Uh, You know, we're kind of in that prime time August until the fall where kids have been making their commitments. For 2006 birth years, I know there was Barrett Dexheimer of Edina just committed to UMass. Pretty rare for Minnesota kids to go over to the East Coast. Uh, There was an OJHL guy, Jared Langdon, committed to Clarkson. He's an 06. Then we actually saw an 07 commit uh, this week, which is very rare because typically they're not able to commit 
until, you know, you're heading into sort of like your, your junior year of high school, typically. But we had an 07 commit this week. Will Bell of Shattuck St. Mary's committed to Notre Dame. Uh, so people are assuming that he advanced his studies to be able to commit earlier. I think it's like a year earlier than he would have been able to. So we're assuming he sort of like advanced his studies, skipped a grade, probably something like that. So that was an interesting one. Uh, plenty of commitments that have happened, but those were kind of the the notable ones or the, or the younger ones that committed. Fantastic. All right. Now, last week we went through the, the Carolina Hurricanes in terms of their collegiate prospects in their pipeline. They had a ton. It was wild. Now we're on to Columbus, the next C team on the list. And they don't have quite as many, but they do have some very interesting ones. Why don't you take us through a couple? Yeah, so they really only have, I think it's five total for NCAA mm -hmm. and one USHL. And to be honest, I feel like Carolina, we were talking about their prospects and they had a lot of really promising players and prospects in, in the leagues that we cover. And then this week for Columbus, I feel like I don't really know how to feel about some of their prospects, but to start off, Carson Kuhlman's, not Carson Kuhlman, mm -hmm. Kuhlman's. Yes, very similar name, but different mm -hmm. person. Uh, I think this might be their, their best prospect of the pool. He plays for Wisconsin, which again, typically haven't been the strongest school, but they just came off the sweep of Minnesota Duluth. And he's won four and five and six games played, so some good points. Uh, you know, they had a little bit of a rough start, but last year to, as a freshman, he had 22 points in 34 games, which is pretty promising. I believe he was on U18 Team Canada before that, so a really promising player. Had, I think, four assists this weekend, which is really good. Was a first-round pick last year. He's a big guy at six foot two, and he's still really young. I think he's only like 19, so he has mm -hmm. plenty of time to just keep growing his game, but he's already putting up really good points and really good numbers. So I think he might be their best prospect of the pool. Wow. All right. Then we got Aiden Hrescheck. Yeah. So this was kind of one of the, the prospects that I had to look into a little bit. He plays for Boston college, doesn't have any points yet in a couple of games was a third round pick last year, but he was on the national team development program, which means you obviously have to be pretty talented to be on there. Mm -hmm. Uh, he's five foot eleven, so pretty average size. He's from Los Angeles. Last year, he didn't really put up many points in college, but it looks like he was a plus nine. So hopefully, that means he was doing some things right out there on the ice, um, probably defending well and maybe setting up some teammates as well. Uh, he didn't really seem like a defender that's going to put up a ton of production or like points wise, but it mm -hmm. does seem like he'll probably be a, a pretty solid defenseman, and we'll have to see what he does this year at BC. Fantastic! All right, then we got Robbie Stucker from Vermont. So this is a prospect that kind of, I think is sort of an interesting one, a little bit more of a strange one. He's a, a big guy. He's six foot three. He's from Minnesota, was a seventh round pick uh, a, a while ago, and he's in his fifth year of college now. So this is his last year. I think he's eligible. Wow. He played three years with Minnesota and then two years now with Vermont. Uh, and he was part of the USHL team. I believe they won the Clark cup a few years ago. So that's, that's good. That's promising. Um, but one of the things is he had his best year in points last year. I think it was 14 and 34. So not a ton of points, mm -hmm. fairly low. And one of the things I saw that was a little concerning for me, he was the team worst last year and plus minus, I think it said minus 20 on the team's website. So that's a little concerning, you know, if you're Columbus and you're, and your prospect has that again, he was a seventh round pick, which they can kind of be a gamble sometimes. Mm -hmm. So that's not great. I didn't really like seeing that, but it did look like he had 31 blocks. So 
you know, he's absorbing some shots, blocking some shots. That's that's good. But that was a little concerning to see the the plus minus was so low, which Vermont typically isn't a, is hasn't been a great team. But that's not good if you're if you're the worst in, in plus minus. Absolutely, man. That's look plus minus is maybe not the most accurate stat that we have now. But yeah. when it's when it's like extremely high or extremely low, like when it's an extreme, then we start to go, okay, that's, that's indicative of a problem. So, yeah. So I don't yeah. know how much you can take away from plus minus sometimes, mm. but I thought that was a little alarming to be at, at the team worst and to have it be that low. Absolutely. All right. Then we got Guillaume or Richard. You made, you made very clear to, yes. to, that we pronounce it correctly. It's not Richard. It's Guillaume Richard. Well, I took it exactly from Providence's pronunciation sheet because mm-hmm. some of these players, I'm like, okay, I'm just going to take it how it says because I do not know how to say yeah. their name. But yeah, I believe it's Guillaume Richard. Sounds oh, Guillaume. So he, I, I even got know. it wrong. I Man, I don't know. It it's was true. it was yeah. on their line chart. That's how they spelled it. So I just took what they had on their charts. So Incredible. hopefully that's right. Um, but Richard, he he was a fourth round pick uh, last year, and I think he was also on that UA team Team Canada. So again, he must've been pretty promising. Another bigger guy, six foot two defender. They must really like those guys in Columbus because they got a couple of them here on this list. Mm -hmm. Uh, And again, he doesn't really seem like a really big point producer. He's got one point in five games so far for Providence College, but it seems like he's pretty solid defensively and was pretty good for Providence uh, last year and hopefully will be solid this year. He's a sophomore, so he has plenty of time to grow uh, and hopefully will just be sort of more of that defensive defenseman. Fantastic. Then our final one is James Fisher in the USHL. Let's take us through. Let's t- take us through that, and we'll uh, to ride us out. Yeah. So they only have one prospect in the mm-hmm. USHL. So James Fisher, he's playing for Youngstown. He's got one goal, so one point in six games played. But I wouldn't really take too much into that. Uh, he was again a seventh round draft pick, so one of those players that can kind of be a little bit of a gamble. Uh, he's six foot two though, so pretty tall. He's from Massachusetts but he's only 18. So he's really Mm -hmm. young. He has plenty of time to play in juniors and then plenty of time to play in college. So I wouldn't worry about, you know, one goal in six games. That's totally fine. Um, You know, he's young. It's his first year, I think, playing with Youngstown, I think I remember. So I'm just, I'm not worried about that. He's committed to Northeastern. So hopefully he takes some time to really round out his game in the USHL and then hopefully take some time in college to just really become the best player he can be uh, because he seems a little bit different from all these other prospects uh, because they got a lot of defenders here for Columbus in the NCAA. So James Mm -hmm. Fisher is not that he's, he's a bigger forward. So a little bit different. All right. Well, look, the future is bright. The, you know, it's, it might be a quality over quantity type thing. We'll see. But it looks like, uh, look, again, every year, more teams start to really invest in the in the the collegiate route, the American pipeline, if you will. It's the name of the podcast, which has now come to an end. Um, so it's another lovely week of, of talking about, you know, everything that's going on in the NCAA and the USHL and all that. Uh, Sydney, we'll be back next week to, to go over another team and break down college hockey, break down the USHL, and really just make sure that you're up to date on everything that's in, going down and, as we said, the American pipeline.